Hi, welcome to another podcast of Sports Doc Sports. Uh, I just want to say thanks everybody for following along. I've had a little bit of a break since it was the holidays and as you know, I still work as a physician, of course, and so with the resurgence of another variant of COVID, I've been a little busy, but now I have time, and today is a very exciting podcast. I have Miss Renee here, who's a, a tennis pro and has a very interesting story. I want her to share a little bit about her her life and um, her um, development. So, uh, Miss Renee, without any further ado, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, I'm Renee Broxson. I'm the director of tennis at Hidden Dunes Beach and Tennis Resort, and I've been teaching tennis for 28 years. Which is amazing. And so 28 years, and um, I know because I've taken some lessons there with you as, as well as my kids, and we've always enjoyed it. But let's go back to the beginning, like where you started. In, in, uh, and the reason I really want to bring this in is for people to understand is like the fortitude and the change of life that you went through initially to become a tennis player. I, the story I just learned today, it, it's truly just awe-inspiring. So tell us a little bit, what were you doing um, in your early 20s? In my early 20s, I was working at Holiday Inn Navarre Beach, bartending and waitressing. Have you ever played tennis really before that? I hit tennis ball a few times. Right. So then at age 28, what happened? Um, we had at Holiday Inn Navarre, we had Holiday Inn Olympics. They own four properties and we would do different sports. And tennis was one of them and I got involved in that. And from there, I started, I just started playing all the time. And I played about five hours a day for three or four years because I could. I worked in the evenings and I played tennis during the day. So then four years later, you walk on at uh, Division II University, right? Rolling college. So you're now 32 years old and you're enrolling in university. Yes. And I did receive a full athletic grant for the entire time that I was there. I was a 32-year-old freshman. Um, there was a, there's a term they used for, and now I can't remember what it was, but I was a 32-year-old college freshman, and it was a very scary first day at school. <laughs> I'm sure. But you also were pretty much uh, motivated, right? That's what put you there, not only to play tennis, but to learn. What was your major? Physical education. And so you were there on a tennis scholarship, right? Yes. So uh, did you play singles or doubles? I played both singles and doubles all four years. All four years I, I was in the lineup for singles and doubles. So and during that time, any accomplishments while you were in college? Um, my senior year, I re received the Arthur Ashe Sportsmanship and Leadership Award that is given to two athletes a year, uh, one male and one female. In the country? In the country. Right. So let's, we got to make that a little bit more broad spectrum. So here she is, and she wins, and everyone who's involved in tennis, and if you don't, Arthur Ashe was probably like considered the grandfather or father of tennis for America. And just matter of fact, the, the U.S. Open, the stadium's named after him. Is that correct? Yes, correct. So, I mean, to, to win that award is truly amazing. So what a great change, right? So you go from not really doing anything directed, and now you've got a scholarship four years, and... From there, what do you do after your four year, you graduate and you've played it, and now what? And then I coached, I uh, was the assistant coach for the U UWF for six years for the women's team, and at the same time, I was the director of tennis at Pensacola Country Club, so I had two jobs for six years. But it was very fulfilling, both of them, especially working with the university. So tell me, so out of when you t when you go back and you look at why you started teaching, was it because you enjoyed tennis yourself, or what, what was it? Um, yes, because I enjoyed tennis myself. I did enjoy teaching. 
um, I got sidetracked, sorry. Um, so, uh, yeah, bring it back. So you, you were doing tennis because you enjoyed teaching, but you said you enjoyed teaching as well. Is it so the, the meeting the different people that you were teaching or is it the fact that you just enjoyed giving back? I do enjoy giving back, but I do enjoy meeting the people. I do like working with the kids and try to motivate them. Um, and I think telling my story to people who think they're older coming in at 32 and know that they can accomplish whatever they want to as long as they put the work in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, so uh, I, I've seen you working with these people. I mean, one, uh, the way that you've designed your um, your tennis instructions, are it's an aerobic workout for them as well. I see that. So you push them to actually to push themselves to a new level, right? So it's not just, hey, here you're here for tennis, but what else do you tell them? Yes, I do try. I try to push them physically so they're getting a workout plus they're learning. We do strategies and tactics, and and I do try to push them with the workout, and I try to push them out of their comfort zone, which some don't like. But to learn, you've got to get a little bit out of your comfort zone. Which you did initially, right? So getting out of our comfort zones, and, and no matter what sport it is, right, it transcends so many different sports. You have to get out of your comfort zone, even to start. So I think that right there is one great take home for anybody. Listen, you step out, right? Just do it. Just take that step. So I want to, I want to bring you back. So how do you keep motivated? I mean, you're, you do this for so many years. What keeps you motivated in doing this? I constantly do continuing education because it really does help me stay motivated because when I come up with a new drill or I find a new drill online and then I see people improve, that that's all it takes for me. I mean, I, I I really, I'm all over that. That's awesome. There was, you know, if you, if you know Miss Renee or if you don't, she's in phenomenal shape, right? She just stays active all the time. So let me ask you, what do you do to, to maintain that? So I work out with a trainer two days a week. And also, if I'm not on the court teaching, I do a little cycling. And that do, I do try to play right now. Right now when I'm working, it's only once a week. So, you, so you're, you're working out pretty much? Six days a week. Six days a week. But you, so let me ask you, when you're working with a trainer, are you just doing weights or what else are you doing? Um, uh, pretty much all weights. Yeah. So, and again, I'll ask this. So is it lightweight, high, um, high rep or more heavyweights, low rep? Um, we do sets, usually set to 15. Right. So you keep it low. That's yeah. good. Is it, and is it fast to kind of get an aerobic workout as well or is it more no, purely tension? No. It's pure, purely tension. Yeah, She's right. trying to strengthen me um, to decrease the likelihood of injuries. Right. And you've had some injuries in your past. Yes. I know because I'm your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so shoulder, right? That was one. I've had three shoulder surgeries and a hand surgery. Right. Which is you know, amazing because she's still hitting the ball so hard. It's an, it's a, a, an accomplishment in itself. So, and then last year, so after your shoulder surgeries, how long did it take you to get back? Not very long, I guess. I mean, I didn't serve overhand for a year after all three, but I was probably back on the tennis court in six months. Yeah. So, and I just want to bring her back to her accomplishments, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, she's been very um, accomplished in, in, you know, with her sportsmanship, but also in her 40s, her and, a, and another tennis pro here locally, what did you guys do? We won the national 40s doubles clay court championships. Right. In the country. <laughs> yes. I have to say that because people say, well, what does that mean? So people are listening. I mean, this is the top two ladies in the country on clay courts. Um, again, just a testament of 
the fortitude and the ability to kind of overcome injury as well as just push themselves to the top. And so that in itself, and again, going back, starting tennis at life in, at age 28, you know, most of the people who have reached levels of such you know, accomplishments start at a young age, right? When they're, they're doing travel tennis and they're, they're just constantly playing. That's what it takes. And so when I, again, I'm, I've been floored when I hear the story to start so late per se to go to college even, which is also amazing. Let's talk about um, your diet. Because uh, everybody, I, all my people that listen to podcasts, they're always interested. What does the person eat? What do, they, what do they take any supplements? So you want to share that? Yes, I do. I'm pretty picky about my diet, but I, I eat in moderation. A lot of times I don't get much lunch, but I have a decent breakfast and a decent dinner. I do take some supplements. Should I say the supplements? If you yeah. want to, yeah. I, I, I take omega-3s. I take a vitamin D. I take uh, calcium. I take a biotin and uh, CoQ10. Yeah, awesome. So it's funny you said vitamin D because I already did my outline for my podcast. I'm going to do a solo on vitamin D. and It should pop out probably after this one. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, proponent of vitamin D, especially – for people who are indoors a lot, which you're not, but still, I, I think it's so important as we get older. Uh, the studies have shown that it's uh, helped with um, muscle strength and gait and stability. So I'm big on that. Um, also, let's talk about um, what else you do because um, – oh, I do want to say one thing real quick. So I've seen your dinners because um, our mutual friend posts them in pictures and they are the most well-balanced plate of robust – colors i've ever seen on a plate like on a continuum so i know you eat well I, i've seen pictures of you of what you serve <laughs> anyway going back so um you have also taken a new direction right in your in your career so yes you do the athletics and your pe physical education major in college and tennis pro now what are you doing now I am a working artist, and I, my goal is to make great big paintings and donate them to charity and let them have the money for the charity. What charity is it going to? Um, mostly dog charities, Dog Harmony. Yeah. So as, as you, you can hear, she's an avid uh, – and we're, actually, we're sitting here with one of her puppies right now, Coda. But um, – so, and I will, I'll say the paintings are amazing. Everyone I talk to who has her paintings, including myself, um, they're just phenomenal. I love them. Um, they're, they're, when people walk into my house, they're like, wow, where'd you get that? And just the variety of uh, colors and um, there's a story behind every one, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a story behind. I don't think I can paint a painting without a story. Right, which is amazing. And then, by the way, I'm saving all those papers up for you that I have. <laughs> oh, good, thank you. Because she does some pretty uh, outstanding stuff. And just real quickly, tell them just as far as like the work that you put into like one painting. Oh, it could, it, it never goes quick. I mean, it could, it takes a long time right. just because I'm still developing my skill. Okay. So with that being said, I want to ask you this. So let's say we have someone who walks out, um, whether they're an artist or they're not an artist or whether they're a tennis player or not. What is that you have that you've learned through your life that you could say if somebody here here's what i can tell you this is what it takes to be able to make an accomplishment a goal well, i know you have it i i've never asked this before but i'm interested in hearing 
I would just tell them they can, I have a lot of people come out that think they can't do something. And a lot of people that I'm encouraging for art as well. And they say, well, I'm not an artist. I'm not creative. Everyone is creative. And anything, even on the tennis court or on the pickleball court, everybody can play. It's just working. You just have to put the time in. Right. And we didn't really talk about that, but so, I, and we're going to touch on that real quick, but I still want, so basically it's what, getting out there and doing it? Getting or, out there and doing it and, and having a disciplined practice where you focus, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, um, just getting out there and doing it and believing that you can do it. Absolutely. So, right. It's a mindset and it it's the ability, yes. and the ability to actually step forward, right? So, yes. to believe. Through the pain. Through the pain. Through the pain. Right. The pain is emotional? Yeah. Yes. And mistakes, but mistakes are all part of the learning. If you're not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, you're not getting any better. So when you say your comfort zone, so one, that's the emotional comfort zone of like, hey, I, I can't do this, but also the physical pain? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. My kids are complaining after tennis lessons. Oh, I, I'm so sore. But um, yeah, so right. But it's just a matter of going forward, stepping it out and, and believing in what you what you can accomplish because that's where it starts. Oh, yes. Do you believe in short-term goals as well? Yes, because there's got to be a lot of little short-term goals that you have to go through to get your long-term goal. Right. So, and then I want to just bring this in because it's part of that whole transition of progression and staying relevant. So you've gone from how many years of a tennis pro and now you're teaching pickleball? Um, 28 years, 29 years of tennis and now starting to teach pickleball as well. Right. Yeah. And so people who aren't aware of pickleball, just want to give them a quick little summary of what it is? Pickleball is, I always say, it's almost like playing um, ping pong on top of the table. So you have a small paddle, you have a wiffle ball. It's a smaller court. I think anybody can play. I could give you one lesson and you could play the next day. You might not be the best, but you can play pickleball. Right, so you're automatically in the game, right? You're, you're competitive. Automatically in the game. Right, and, so, and pickleball is probably one of the fastest growing sports. It is the fastest growing sport right now. It's the fastest growing sport. Especially yes. in this state. I mean, oh, yeah. would you say in the it's country? All over. It is in the country. Yeah. Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the country. Right. So here you are. So if you're out there listening, you're like, well, I don't know what I could do. I don't really want to get involved in tennis. Pickleball could be your sport. And, and as Ms. Renee will totally um, agree with me, I think you need to have a sport for life, correct? Oh, absolutely. Just the other day on Thursday at work, on one day, I had an 82-year-old for a lesson and an 85-year-old for a lesson. And to me, that's unbelievably inspiring to keep me going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I see that, too, I'm, it, it, were they having fun? They were, oh, they were having a great time. And there's a statistic, and I don't remember where I read it, so I don't, not, it says that tennis, tennis players live 10 years longer than any other sport athletes. I don't know if it's true. I read it. But. Yeah, well. I, I believe it. I mean, it's just all part of being staying healthy. And then usually the, with that, it becomes the other behaviors that promote longevity, right? Eating right, being active, and uh, and staying, you know, in an ideal body weight. I mean, those are all the, the ingredients, and um, that's how it ta- that's what it takes. Okay, so there's there was uh, one other last question I wanted to ask you. So if you could go back and maybe add one other sport to your life, would you add anything else? That's a good question. I think basketball. Really? Because I never played basketball, and I've always wanted to play basketball because it was physical, and you can. Yeah. So let me ask this, and then we also talked about education. So you were a PE major, and then you did say, well, if I could go back, I may change that. What would that be? I like, I like how the brain functions. I would have to do something. So would it be like the psychology of the brain or the, more the, the physiology? 
I think more the physiology. Yeah. See, it's interesting because the brain basically it guides our athleticism, right? So there's a lot to be said about that. Okay, I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, um, I did want to add one little thing. So with your training, eating right, and also because I need to bring this up because I, I enjoy it. You also cycle. Yes, I do cycle. When on my, if I have some off days and I feel I need a little bit extra exercise, I will cycle because it's not beating on my body like tennis does. I'm not pounding the ground. It's it's much easier on my body, but I'm still getting a good workout. I agree with that. So it's it's all about the cross training, right? It's, and it's a low impact um, uh, exercise. I agree with that 100. percent Thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, I, I mean, uh, is there anything you'd like to add? No, thanks. That's good. Yeah, awesome. So everybody, uh, Miss Renee and her longevity of, of tennis, and really we, I, we're going to title this, I think, Tennis for Life. But basically it's not only a life of tennis, but it's a life that has kind of been inspired through tennis and definitely through others as well as I can attest to. So I appreciate your time. Um, everybody, uh, thank you again for listening to the, the Sports Doc Sports Uh, As always, stay well, stay sweet, and stay healthy.